0: Chris, Ryan, you know, I never trusted people with two first names. Well, actually, some of my favorite people have two first names. Uh, I'm Nick. I'm 22. I am in the greater Seattle area. I'm currently on a walk, one of my favorite restoring activities to do. I'm looking over the Puget Sound with the beautiful Olympic Mountains in the background. Uh, It's unfortunate it's hard for me to appreciate this still, considering I've lived here for nearly my entire life, but... You know what, man? I'm back home living with the parents. I'm a recent grad applying to graduate school this summer. Uh, I've been going through an exponential amount of unexpected change and uh, today was the first day I fully accepted I am a recovering sex addict, which is weird to say at my age, but um, hey man, I love you. Let's chat if you're ever in the Seattle area, let's get together, get a beer, whatever, have a good ass time. I love what you're doing with the podcast, who you've got on. The archetypal themes within your stories are amazing. I'm learning, I'm discovering. Peace out, brother, I love you.
1: Radio Mano, papachango. up ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> yeah, thank you Nick. Uh Puget Sound is great. I uh, hope that sex addiction addiction situation is under control. Uh I'm kind of torn about sex addiction personally. I I don't know to what extent I I think it's a thing. I mean, I think I've talked about this before on the podcast. They certainly uh, understand that compulsive behavior is a thing and that behavior can be expressed in terms of masturbation or inordinate amount of time spent looking at porn or uh, gambling or using various substances Um, but I don't I have problem with the nomenclature because I don't think that it's so much about the sex or the gambling or the cocaine or the alcohol or whatever as it is about something that's going on within us. And so anything that deflects the attention away from the yearning, hungering hole that we're trying to fill up with this behavior and onto the the thing or the behavior itself, I think is sort of um, distracting from the point. Uh, but anyway, I played that particular clip because it's uh, apropos for this episode. You know, sex addiction is one way of expressing or framing um, a sort of intense interest in sex or porn or whatever. Um, but... You know, when I was talking to today's guest, I thought of, I remembered when I was a little kid and I got advice my dad said to me, as I'm sure many dads have said to many kids, uh, the trick is to find what you love and then figure out a way to do that for a living. And if if you can crack that code, then you'll never have to work a day in your life. You just get paid for doing what you love now when I was eight or nine or whatever age I was when my dad was saying this to me it didn't occur to me but later it did occur to me like hey dad what if what I really love more than anything else is fucking what then dad never asked dad that question (laughs) maybe I should ask him now uh Angela White is the guest. She's a porn star extraordinaire. She's something of a legend in the world of porn. She's uh, won all kinds of AVN awards and been in all sorts of movies. She directs. She has her own production company. She's at the top of Porn Mountain. And uh, it became very clear to me upon meeting her why that is, aside from being very... Attractive, obviously, very beautiful and very sexual. She's very, very smart and insightful and thoughtful. And, um, you know, she is, as she explains, she's just someone who's fascinated and interested uh, in sexual erotic experiences. And she's found a way to do that for a living. So good for her. And then her passion for her work shows in the work. So uh, she certainly isn't a victim, I'll tell you that. Um, so Angela White, today's guest. Before we get to that episode, I thought I'd read a letter, an email I got recently. I get a lot of beautiful emails. This one really stood out. Hey, Chris, I've been listening to your podcast for a few years now. I was first introduced to it by a man I met while on holiday in Thailand. He was a really beautiful human, a doctor researching cancer treatment in Melbourne, and he was alone on holiday to celebrate his 40th birthday. We started talking and ended up spending a week together discussing life and love and sex. On our last day in Thailand, he told me to download your podcast for the flight home. On the long flight back to the UK, I listened to your first interview with Justin Alexander. I was captivated immediately. Anyway, over the past year, I have progressively been losing my hearing. I'm only 23, so this obviously came as a huge shock. It's not clear if I'll lose all my hearing, and if I do, I don't know when that will be. I've started learning sign language and have become connected to a whole new world and culture that I had no idea about before this happened. Although this is certainly a challenge and will change my life, I feel prepared to take on whatever is thrown at me. However, one of the things I feel sad about was losing connection to your podcast that I've built up over the last few years. When your book was released, tangentially reading this is, I realized I would never need to lose that connection. Even if I lose all my hearing, I'll still be able to read your interviews and feel connected to the tangentially speaking world. So thanks for that. You may not realize it but your book made your podcast accessible to a whole new community of people. That's fucking amazing. Laura, thank you for your email. I hope I hope you hear this um and maybe even the guy celebrating his 40th birthday by himself in Thailand will hear this. You never know who hears this it's one of it's it's like throwing putting a message in a bottle and throwing it out in the ocean and having no idea where it's going to wash up. That's one of the most mysterious and beautiful and frankly incomprehensible things about this podcast for me. So thank you for reminding me of that, Laura. And um, yeah, I I hope that we will continue to put out more of these books. Um, it I think it turned out to be a lot more work than anyone expected <laughs> by the time we got done with it, um, but we're really proud of it. It's, it's beautiful. If you're in America and you want to copy, order it from my website. You get the full color copy. If you're anywhere else, I'd recommend you order it on Amazon to avoid extravagant shipping prices because it turned out to be a pretty heavy book. Um, also I've got someone working now, uh, converting the text to an ebook. So that'll be available soon. And what I'm thinking is that maybe if we can sort of work it all out and get people interested, uh, that we'll put out an ebook, maybe annually. I think the print book is probably too much work and expense, um, to do every year, but, uh I think an ebook is a great idea, and it's not a lot of work it's it's the i mean it is a lot of work, but it 's not you don't really need to do um the sort of investment that we did for the the paper version so we'll see if people are interested in transcribing some choosing and transcribing some episodes for a volume two um yeah you know, i'd be happy to pay for the production of that just out of pocket and uh and we'll see how that works out and just sell it as an ebook for a few book few bucks so uh yeah let me know at uh that chris ryan or actually no better to write to uh Christopher Assistant at gmail.com and uh yeah we'll let natasha deal with that and in the subject heading put um tangentially reading volume two or something like that Okay. What else can I tell you? Uh, I've got stickers, 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 stickers. Uh, people have been asking for them. I found a place that makes them, prints them up. So I've put them up on the website. I'm not sure. I feel weird charging a bunch of money for a damn sticker, like two fifty. Uh Honestly, they cost me like 35 cents each to print. They're nice. There's, um, they're like nylon and i got them with the easy peel and so they're not a pain in the ass trying to get your thumbnail under there and all that um but to make it worthwhile for my mom to you know organize them and package them and send them out and all that i got to charge i don't know a, a buck and a half or something and it's probably best if you if you're buying t-shirts or something throw them in If you just want stickers, then yeah. But I I think maybe I should just sell them as a set rather than individually. I don't know. I'll figure it out. This is all, this is why I don't have a business or any money to speak of. (laughs) I don't know how to, I I just, I don't give a shit. I need a business manager. Um, Anyway, so there are stickers, they're on the website. And uh, by the time you hear this, hopefully I will have organized that. Uh, Another thing I wanted to tell you about is uh, there's a, a wonderful woman who goes I don't remember what her name is but on Instagram she goes by Moto Gypsy M O T O G Y P S Y Moto Gypsy she is riding a motorcycle around Latin America by herself um partly cuz she's just a badass chick who wants to travel around and see the world and partly because she's trying to bring attention to Ecological issues, um, animal animal trafficking, and um, other worthwhile causes. And uh, so if you're on Instagram and you are interested in travel and that ecological stuff, she's a great, I I follow her, it's great. She's, I think right now in Ecuador. And just a shout out to her because I know she listens to the podcast. She posted something on her, one of her stories that she'd been listening to uh, the Peter Gorman episode. Again, one of those beaches you have no idea that the bottle's going to wash up on, you know? There's a woman riding a motorcycle through a, like a rainy Andes pass listening to me chatting with Peter Gorman in Texas. Fuck, the world is crazy these days. One other very cool thing that's happened this week is a beautiful human being by the name of Jack, who is an audio engineer, I think, um... He wrote to me a couple of months ago and offered to um, put together some best of YouTube clips from the podcast. And, you know, people write to me and, and make offers and they're beautiful, they're generous, they're kind. But generally, I think, you know, oh, they probably had a few drinks and they're feeling, feeling particularly particularly sort of what's the word bountiful or whatever there, you know, and tomorrow they're going to regret it and they're not going to have time to do this stuff and they want to do it. You know, we all want to do great things for each other and help each other out. But then when push comes to shove, sometimes it falls through the cracks. So uh, anyway, this guy wrote in and said, Hey, how would you like me to put together some of these best of clips? And You can throw them up on YouTube. And I said, sure, man, you know, but I didn't think anything would come of it. Well, he wrote back a couple of times, sort of progress, updates, let me know what he was doing. And I thought, well, it seems like he's really doing this. All right. Well, anyway, he really did it. And he did a hell of a job, too. Um, If you are uh, a person who uses YouTube, go to just search Tangentially Speaking Clips. And there are a whole bunch of videos that he put up there. I mean, I don't know how many there are. Maybe almost 20, maybe 25. He really did a lot of work. And it's cool. They range it from a minute, uh, you know, from uh, me and Justin Alexander talking about ayahuasca or motorcycle riding or travel or me and Graham Hancock talking about things. Justin Alexander becoming a monk. Graham Hancock talking about pyramids. That's four minutes Dan Carlin talking about Howard Zinn. That's three minutes. Um, Duncan Trussell on getting started as a comic. Eight minutes. Uh, Duncan and Chris on blasphemy. Two minutes. (laughs) Uh, Some stuff with Stanley Krippner. A bunch of them with Stanley Krippner on dream telepathy test at the Dead Show. What else? Uh, Duncan Trussell singing the Quaker hymn. One of the... Most beautiful moments to happen on this podcast. Dan Carlin. uh, Anyway, so he put together a lot of these. If uh, you want to peruse them, check them out. Go to YouTube and just look for Tangentially Speaking clips and you'll find them. Uh, Send them to your friends. Send links. You know, tweet. Do whatever the hell you do to spread the word if you'd be so kind. And then he also said uh, to mention that he is very eager to hear from you. So, if you have a favorite episode, favorite passage, favorite moments from the podcast that you'd like to share with people, Jack will slap it together for us. So, drop him a line at, uh, let me see what his thing is. TS, that's tangentially speaking, TS best of at gmail.com. Let him know. Um, Please try to be specific which number of the episode and give them a timestamp, you know. So episode 127 from minute 23 to minute 22 or whatever it is, uh, let him know what you're into and maybe mention what we're talking about as well. Thank you, Jack. That's super cool that you did that. All right, before I let you go, I'm going to read you a little quotation from Seneca who I believe was uh, one of the philosophers in ancient Greece that is remembered for starting what um, we think of as the Stoic um, philosophical tradition, which isn't really what what it's come to mean now, this sort of Stoic, like, oh, I don't want anything. I'll just live on bread and water. It wasn't really about that. It was more about finding pleasure without getting distracted By the pursuit of pleasure, I guess, is a way to say it. In other words, you know, well, let me just read Seneca. Uh, True happiness is to enjoy the present without anxious dependence upon the future. Not to amuse ourselves with either hopes or fears, but to rest satisfied with what we have, which is sufficient for he that is so wants nothing. The greatest blessings of mankind are within us and within our reach. A wise man is content with his lot, whatever it may be, without wishing for what he has not. Thoreau said something very similar in the 1840s when he wrote that a man's wealth is best measured by the things he can do without. I think there's deep wisdom in that. So, in the spirit of Seneca and Thoreau and Gandhi and everyone else, with whom I am not comparing myself in any way, by the the way, I'm not going to ask you to support the podcast on Patreon or in any other way. It's implied. (laughs) Thank you to those of you who do. Uh, It makes everything wonderful. It allows me to pretend that I'm not really connected into the workaday economy, Although I suppose I am, but I really love doing this. So Angela is doing what she loves and I'm doing what I love. I hope you're doing what you love. And if not, I hope you can figure out a way to get closer to it. I'm going to play you out with a tune by a guy who listens to this podcast named Alex Beraldo. His album is Grove Hill and the tune is Get All Crazy. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Angela White.
2: Well, I've never been one to get all crazy, get all crazy like I do for that lady. She bring the crazy, she brings the crazy out of me. But every now and then, I get a little lazy, get a little lazy like every damn daisy, I get lazy. And I can't get right But sometimes When life gets me down I think of all the good things That I have around And life's good now Well I do Come fight was driving down the road with the clouds hanging low out by the mountains is where I like to go with that woman the girl on my mind but I've never been one to get all crazy get all crazy like I do for that lady I get restless oh all the time yeah, I get restless, y'all, oh, all the time.
3: Sting, testing, testicles. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Haven't heard that one before. I'm here with Angela White in Topanga, So if you hear birds singing and planes flying over, those are Topanga. It's Topanga Wildlife.
4: It's
3: nice acoustic. Welcome. Thank you. Um, It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, yeah. So how did we get on each other's radar? Was it through Asa or was it Holly?
3: It was Holly. Well, you had been on my radar because I had read your book.
1: Oh, right.
3: But you probably didn't know who I was until you went on the Holly Randall podcast.
1: You know, it's a funny thing. I, You're, I don't know how many people in the porn world i've had on the podcast the word porn star always seems weird to me yeah there's something strange <laughs> about that phrase like everyone in porn is a star
3: yeah well usually when you're in the industry you don't call yourself a porn star right it's sort of it seems strange you it's like call calling it yourself an, an or...
1: expert or an intellectual yeah. or something a performer yeah so i was thinking about this yesterday as i was driving i was thinking about how we were going to meet today and i was thinking how. Anytime I have an author on or an actor or a comedian or, you know, other types of performers, I, one of the things we talk about is how much I love your work. Mm-hmm. But with porn, <laughs> with porn, it's, it's, it's funny. It's like, oh, you were so great in that, you know, DP with the two yeah. black dudes. And like, it's, it's just a weird thing like that you sort of pre- like I'm here pretending I don't know your work.
3: It's not awkward for me. Yeah. It might be awkward maybe to it's somebody really. else, but I live it. So yeah. when fans come up to me and say I love doing this or I love I love you performing these kinds of acts, it's very normal for me, but I guess those kinds of conversations aren't regular (laughs) conversations that other people are having if they're not in the industry.
1: Yeah, well, they're probably having them, but they're having them with a a lot of erotic charge to them. Yes. Right? So, you might say, you know, I might say to a woman I have a sexual relationship with, like, you know, you you look so great doing that.
4: Yeah. Right? But when
1: I say that to her, that's like part of our energy yes. right whereas if i say that to you who you know i don't even know it's weird because it's it's both um extremely intimate and yet it's also uh not intimate at all yeah so it's a, which i guess you've got <laughs> <it's> funny, <laughs> i'm out in the wildlife <laughs> there's, there's a, bugs there's bug <laughs> flying around
4: yeah
1: <laughs> Yeah, just feel free to kill it. Let's,
3: oh no, it's, it's Let it live its life. It's fine. Well, you it's, know, its
1: life seems to involve getting in your face. That's okay.
3: That I moment. I've had worse things in my face. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that's another thing about people in porn: great sense of humor. Yeah, always also cracked me up. She's, She's hilarious. So funny. Have you listened to her podcast that she did with her boyfriend?
3: Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, that was funny.
1: I just listened to that yesterday. I think. It was. It's funny. Also, very moving. I found yeah. very, because this is another thing we were talking about this before we turned the mics on. How, like, y- y- I- I'm interested in, in people who've had to face their fears, mm. and I imagine, except for people who are uh, running from something or in porn. A lot of people have had to face fears, certainly fears of body shame and things like that. Yeah. Do you find that in porn there's more sort of self-actualized people than in other realms of life?
3: People come to porn for many different reasons. So, um, I, I definitely see those people. I also see people that are working through their issues through porn, in porn. Um, I see there are people in porn that are very business-minded and savvy and they're only in it for the money. There are people mm. there that are, that, that are really sexual people that are exploring their sexuality. Um, right. There are people just paying their, their college uh, degree right. off. Um, so, it's, it's, it's an interesting mix of people from all different classes, all different cultural backgrounds, um, education backgrounds. So you're really going to meet everyone and anyone in the adult industry.
1: Mm. Yeah, although I imagine there's filtering. You don't. You're not going to meet people. Well, certainly with men, you're not going to meet guys who aren't uh, don't have big dicks. Right?
3: There are men with average size cocks in porn. Not too many small cocks. I mean, you kind of. It's interesting in the industry itself because guys with average dicks in our industry are kind of labelled as guys with small dicks. Right. Our our right. our measurements are sort of skewed. Yeah. Um obviously it's it's important for a lot of the camera angles and yeah. positions that a guy has a certainly a a certain sized cock um so yeah i know it really wants to this little bug i think you've got
1: honey in your makeup (laughs) or something i've
3: got (laughs) vanilla vanilla perfume on so maybe Uh, the vanilla
1: yeah yeah yeah. um yeah yeah i mean I, i don't know that was a stupid example i was thinking more of like people you know you have to get tested a lot you have to it just seems like there's a certain amount of I don't know self confidence. Well, certainly,
3: certainly the performers that become the stars and the performers that you see be very successful, they are the ones that are very professionally minded. They're very, they're, um, they are confident in themselves, Mm. and also they're the ones that truly love the the work that they do. They're very sexual people. Mm. So, in in that sense, the performers that rise to the top have certain qualities. Right,
1: right and what brought you into it?
3: Well, it's a it's I mean it goes back to uh, my experience in high school. So I, I was a very sexual person growing up. Even before high school, I was a very sexual kid. I was obsessed with sexuality. I was very fascinated by it. I was the, the kid in the the school library hiding in the corner reading, you know, where did I come from, looking at the cartoon sketches of penises mm. and vaginas. Just our bodies
1: and, ourselves. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. just
3: trying, yeah. I just was very fascinated with with the naked human body and sex and what it all meant and and so um growing up once i um started to come into my own sexuality and wanted to explore my sexuality in high school i became (laughs) criticized i know this okay that bug's gonna go yeah
1: yeah let's pause let's pause here all right we were interrupted by a bug if you hear a slapping sound in the middle of this conversation, I'm not getting rough with my guest, I'm getting rough with the fucking bug. Anyway, so we are talking about, you were, uh, you grew up in Australia. Yes. What part of Australia?
3: Um, well, I grew up in Sydney, and then I, I did high school there, and then I moved to Melbourne uh, to do my university degree. I so like Melbourne. Melbourne's fantastic. Nice
1: town, yeah. Yeah.
3: Once I moved there, I didn't leave, because I loved it so much, until I moved to Los Angeles. Uh, but Melbourne, I loved the, the food, the culture. Yeah, yeah. I remember
1: I went to a night market there that had food yeah. from all over the world. It was so nice. The food
3: there is so good.
1: Yeah. 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 I miss Yeah, that. I was only in Australia. I went to speak at the Festival of Dangerous Ideas at mm. the Sydney Opera House, which was so cool. You know, because yeah. I, I, this is shortly after Sex at Dawn came out. I did a lot of public speaking around it. And in the U.S., it was very like, you know, we'd prefer if you don't use, you know, these words or you don't, maybe you don't have to talk about that. Or could you please make it clear that you're not advocating, you know, polyamory? I got to that event and I I was accustomed to like, okay, you know, what what are the parameters here? Yeah. And the guy's like, what do you mean? And I said, well, are there, is there a certain language you don't want me to use because I know it's being televised? he's like oh hell no mate go out there and say whatever the hell you want yeah like we want people to be talking about this we want it to be provocative go well, ahead don't
3: censor yourself yeah. you can't really be you can't really have an event called dangerous ideas yeah and not not speak freely not yeah. and censor yourself well That's,
1: you would think so yeah but in the u.s you know it's all brand protection
3: uh-huh.
1: yeah all right. So you grew up in. We uh, were in Melbourne for college. What did you study in college?
3: I did a bachelor Bachelor of Arts, um, oh. majoring in gender studies.
1: Gender studies. Okay. Yes. So your your sort of passion for sexuality um, went into your university studies. And yes, did did you study? Sexology at some point.
3: Not sexology. Uh, I mean, gender studies is sort of an umbrella term. So there's it's it's interdisciplinary. So I right. did sociology and anthropology and obviously women's studies. So I did a lot underneath that hmm. that gender studies umbrella. Um, and obviously, when you look at anthropology, you usually look at sexuality and the sexuality of other cultures. Right. And, and so we explored that. And and every. I mean my life has a lot of synergy because I I obviously I'm in the pornography industry and I'm personally obsessed with with sexuality and mm. I'm, I'm fascinated by it and then my study was focused on on gender and sexuality and all of my all of the research that I did and the thesis that I did for my honors thesis was based around female experiences in the Australian pornography industry and the stuff that I've written has been about sexuality. So I've, um, the, my thesis or a, an abridged version of my thesis was published in the, um, Rutledge Companion to Media, Sex and Sexuality. So, mm. so my, my work, um, like my career is, is in the adult industry. My personal interests revolve around sexuality. And then my study and my writing is, uh, about sexuality. Yeah. So it's, yeah.
1: I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah i've been fascinated by sexuality since i was 11 yeah um when my babysitter introduced me <laughs> <laughs> and i think the only reason that happened is that she recognized that i was receptive yes to something like i understood something and i mm. wanted to know more yeah and she sort of recognized that hunger and um, no, do you feel? Because I've often felt like the my libido and my intellect are almost the same thing.
3: Yeah, they're it's a drive. I think yeah. sexuality is a drive, and it's I mean it drives me to learn. It drives me to learn about other cultures. It drives me to learn about myself. Um, drives me to wake up in the morning too early to to get ready for for work it's it's Mm. I mean sexuality is integral part of my being and who I am and that's why you're getting back to 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 why I entered the industry in the first place was that that growing up uh, I was criticized for my sexuality so once I once I went into high school and I wanted to explore and I was exploring my sexuality with men and women and being labeled a slut and and really no matter how I uh how I participated in, in, in sex or how I expressed my sexuality, it was deemed inappropriate as you know, uh, as a woman, obviously we've, we've come a long way in terms of like accepting female sexuality, but we're still, women are still shamed for, for having yeah. high libidos and, and seeking out men and women, especially if it's more than one at a time. Right. Um, so when, and because sexuality is such an integral part of my being, that when I was criticized for that um, uninhibited sexuality, it was really felt like an attack on on who I am.
1: I hear that, yeah. So, and... And also physically, and you're very, for people who don't know what you look like, you're very curvy, very sort of, you know, like I imagine you developed curves at a young age yes so you're getting this attention when you're what 11 12
3: I what you know I wasn't that early 14 by 14 mm. I had double d breasts so right. I was I was busty I was curvy right. I was definitely I definitely looked like a woman right. at a young age
1: so even if you hadn't had the libido and the fascination you still would have been thrust into that world against your will
3: yeah well I had a lot of older male attention yeah. at that age
1: yeah so it's- did that creep you out or how did you feel about that
3: I mean it was that it it coincided with that desire for exploration so it wasn't too i mean there was certainly you know um there are certainly moments when when you haven't quite come into your sexuality and there's an older person kind of you know pushing you to explore you know there are moments where you have to like decide whether you want to pursue things or not but um, for the most part you know I was really curious I was really mm. curious about my body I was curious about my sexuality I wanted to I wanted to explore the desires I had for for both boys and girls men and women so you
1: knew when you sort of emerged sexually you already knew you were interested in men and women
3: it took me a little while like by the age of 14 I feel like I was I, or and at least 15 I was openly bisexual and yeah. I, I knew that I liked women wow. but I know looking back back with the perspective that I have now I can see that I had a desire for women earlier but I just didn't know how to inter- I didn't know there wasn't I didn't know a, a word for it or right. whatever I just knew that you know when I would be in a, a public bathroom after being at like a public swimming pool I would stay in the change room for longer than I needed to so I could see <laughs> the older women naked right. and I'd, I'd stare at them and I'd be fascinated by them and obviously at that age I didn't know it was because I was sexually attracted right. to them I just was like oh my gosh, boobs and pubic hair and what is this? This is exciting and fascinating. And, you know, I'd feel hot. I'd feel this heat. And obviously that was some sort of sexual tingling, but I didn't know. I just felt warm. (laughs) Do
1: Do you think that, is libido, I mean, obviously libido exists on a spectrum, but I wonder to what extent people who aren't like us in this respect aren't because they're so repressed or they just don't it's just not there i've known some people Mm -hmm. who i think they weren't inhibited at all but they just weren't they just didn't get it yeah you know like i i had a uh girlfriend for quite a while and lovely woman and totally uninhibited about sex but it just wasn't interesting to her huh just wasn't like, eh? You know, yeah, we could fuck, or we could go to the movies, or we could have dinner, or we, like, whatever. Yeah. And I just, I just can't understand that. It's a weird. I mean, do you do you encounter people? I like have,
3: that? I have encountered people like that. Yeah. Um, I've encountered men like that as well that can either take it or leave it. They're just not. I mean, it's just not something that they need. It's, but I,
4: yeah.
3: I mean, I, I don't know if it's necessarily always like a repression or yeah. if it's just people's bodies react differently maybe they don't gain the same pleasure that we do from sex maybe mm. maybe I know that I can go into like a mind altered state when I'm having an orgasm or even before and during sex so maybe they they don't get to the same highs that we do who knows and if you don't get that sort of high i get i get a high off sex yeah and it's a high i want to feel right so maybe
1: that makes sense yeah
3: they experience it differently
1: like i don't get a runner's high i hear people talk about runner's high and i'm like look i've run i've never felt high i wish i did i'd be in better shape And I'd run all the time because I'm a fucking bohemian. I'll chase a high, wherever it is, you know. But, uh, yeah, no, definitely don't feel runner's high. So, yeah, I guess the fucker's high. Some people just don't get it. Do you
3: feel good after a run?
1: No. Oh. No, my teeth hurt. Oh. my knees hurt my back hurts.
3: maybe that's how they feel after <laughs> sex <Exactly. laughs>
1: blowjobs make my teeth hurt you're doing it wrong
3: <laughs> uh, maybe after a good hard fuck session their lower back hurts enough that they're like yeah uh, it wasn't worth the orgasm payoff
1: work through it work through <laughs> it people yeah no I, I think for me part of the high is that it shuts down my brain mm. like that's an opportunity to not think yeah You know, I'd say there's sex. There's like, you know, like sports like rock climbing or scuba diving where your body thinks you're going to die really focuses the mind. And then after there's this sort of cleansed feeling. Yeah. Yeah.
3: But I feel like sex is a really it's it's a very interesting environment in, in the sense that it can be the place where you can be the most present and the most absent so you can Mm. use sex to be completely present and in the moment or you can use sex to escape Mm. and I feel like that makes it really powerful
1: Mm, that's a good point yeah it's like dancing I guess is another uh your music yeah you know where you sort of enter into something that totally absorbs you and yet you to really be there you sort of have to let go and not be there too Yeah. Yeah. That must be hard though when there are a bunch of people with cameras and mic booms and lights standing around.
3: Mm, No, because once you let go, you don't see them. But Uh. you can't always get to that place. Like For me, I love... I love gonzo porn because Mm. in gonzo porn, there's usually less people on set and it's less heavily directed. In fact, Uh. my favorite is when it's gonzo and it's not directed in the sense that they just let two people go at it, just fuck, and they follow the action. If it's really heavily directed and stylized and they're very concerned about the aesthetic and the lighting, then sometimes I can't get to that place where I can just fully let go because... I'll be starting to get into it and about to come, and they'll be like, Okay, next position, or mm. Okay, move your hand here. Or, you know, when right. it's directed like that, it's you, you kind of you're forced to always be thinking about what the director wants and always right. be thinking about your
1: positioning sort of interruptions, yeah, artificiality. Yeah. So you do come when you're on set. You can
3: That's my aim. I mean, my mm-hmm. my aim when I come onto set is to have a, a a real connection with the partner that I'm with for that day. So I want authentic chemistry, I want real passion, I want real orgasms, and I want the partner that I'm with my on-screen partner to feel amazing as well so mm. cuz I feel like obviously that makes my job more enjoyable right. but I feel like it makes the product for the viewer more authentic it's better viewing they can really see the see the passion they can see that we're we're getting off and that's right that's a good experience uh, for the viewer yeah.
4: um,
3: and so I mean I come on most sets if it's super crazy heavily directed and they tell you when to come that makes it more difficult like it's hard when you're just getting in a position and direct says okay come now and You're like, oh, well
0: yeah
3: <laughs> well give me a minute like let me let me rub my clit or yeah. like change the positioning a bit uh, but for the most part most directors want you to have a good time because they they can see that through the lens right so if it's at all possible for me to have an orgasm i will yeah yeah
1: yeah i don't know if i read this or uh, someone said this to me but i i remember a woman who worked in porn saying she never came um she kept herself from coming she Ah. always faked it because she felt that a real orgasm was so intimate and personal that she only wanted to share that with people in her personal life. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember where I heard that.
3: People people have different boundaries. Um, you know, when when it comes to porn, pornography, it's so intimate. I mean, at the adult industry in general, you you are you are giving a very uh you're being very open with the public and they're they're seeing you in a very vulnerable position. So, I know different performers have different ways of creating boundaries so they can have a separate Home life, mm. or, or or you know, private sex right. life versus on screen sex life. That's not how I do things. I like to, I like to really experience people, and mm. that's. I feel like if I let myself go and I allow myself to be vulnerable, then I can learn more about myself. So I don't put up boundaries in the same way other people do. Like I, I feel like sex is a conversation, and it's a conversation that I want to have with multiple people and through that conversation I learn more about what I like both sexually and and I learn more about who I am as a person as a being mm. I learn more about just human sexuality in general so any boundaries that I put up kind of prevents me from that that learning and right. I'm a very curious person I always want to know more
1: right, right. Yeah. how old are you
3: 33
1: are you do you feel like You've been doing this how long?
3: Um, well, I got in at 18. So this is, wow, yeah, 15, 15 years. years. Yeah. Huh.
1: I follow you on Twitter. I saw something recently, the weight of desire. Oh, what the weight that?
3: of infidelity. Of infidelity. Yeah. So that was a a story I wrote for a company called Pure Taboo. And um, it really looks at the way that weight can be used as a weapon um to to control people to um i mean idealized body image is something that we we all face the pressure to live up to both men and women and and in the industry it's kind of like the elephant in the room we don't talk about the fact that our bodies are on display mm. and a lot of us get work because of the ways that our bodies look and appear on screen right. and so i wanted to to delve into the taboo of fat in 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 a porn scene, and I thought, mm. what better, what better company to do it with than a company called Pure Taboo, which is all about looking at looking at taboos in our culture. So yeah, I've got I've had a really positive feedback from from that scene, um, mm. and especially from women because the the male character in the scene, basically without giving too much away, the male character I'm married to, and he um, is. Using weight as a way to control my actions and he wants me to lose weight and he can, controls my eating so he takes food away from me at the dinner table. He watches my weekly weigh-ins. He berates me if I go outside of his strict diet um, but basically constantly reminding me that I'm not good enough, that I'm mm. not enough. Um, and then at a certain point I find out that he's he's cheating on me. Um, now the, usually the cheating narrative is that the, the, the man is going to cheat with a younger, slimmer, blonder woman, you right. know that's that's the usual narrative. Right. But I found find out that he's cheating on me with a much larger, much curvier woman, a BBW performer. When, for anyone who doesn't know at home, that's big, beautiful woman. It's kind of like the the categorization for curvier women in mm. porn. And on the on the flip side, he's actually force feeding her. So on one hand, he's he's underfeeding me while overfeeding the the woman he's cheating on me with and so the point of it is that you know it's not about either of our weight it's about control it's about power Mm. he's using he's manipulating us in certain ways and using body image to to be interesting yeah
1: yeah yeah. it's almost like um a reflection of the madonna whore thing that a lot of men have right where like with the wife he he berates her for her sexuality and then he's with a prostitute where he feels free to engage with her sexuality and actually is encouraging more, yeah. you know, and it's like, dude, why can't you just integrate that <laughs> shit and stop being nuts about it? Yeah.
3: Well, I think it's it's a cultural thing as well. Like I mean, obviously I don't want to take um responsibility away from individual men who are not treating their partners correctly, but I mean it doesn't come from nowhere like he, th- those men that do those sorts of things and I mean it's not just men women women are responsible for for not treating their partners correctly as well, but sure. but um you know, it's the culture that's kind of told men that they need to have a woman that looks a certain way Mm. that you need to, you know, you have your trophy wife who you treat, who has to act a certain way. And then, you know, (laughs) then there's the, the other women.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They don't have that responsibility. It's so, it's so interesting how, because we live in this, what I consider to be pathogenic culture, um, that, The sort of pockets of health often happen in obscurity, you know, like, for example, that what we're talking about now, the sort of typical man who has a marriage that's based upon a false premise, and then he can only be honest with the sex worker that Mm. he's with or when he watches porn or when he's with his buddy, maybe, you know, like he can't be honest about who he is with the person he's supposedly sharing his life with. Yeah. It's very strange, it's
3: no way to live,
1: no, but it's how most people do live yeah. I think you know it's scary so are you, do you have a partner or are you so
3: I'm always very vague about okay. my my personal life Fair i'm enough. so i I have partners I'm polyamorous oh. um so I've heard of that yeah you've heard of that that yeah. term yeah it's this new thing it's really yeah. <laughs> actually it's not Everybody's very new <laughs> <doing it.
4: laughs>
3: I mean I'm obviously I'm in a I'm in an industry where I am having sex with other people so uh, an open style relationship is mandatory for mm. me um, and I'm I'm not someone that's going like this is my passion and joy so I'm not going to stop this to be in any kind of monogamous relationship and I learned early mm. on in in high school that monogamy, just didn't work very well for me i'm very like i said i like to explore and i don't i mean i can't see my you never say never but i cannot see myself in the future ever you know, wanting to be with one man or one woman, and mm. and being,
1: i gonna settle down and have babies. No,
3: I don't want babies. Mm. I I actually love children. I love mm. being around them. I think that I love them because they're also curious. They're curious mm. about everything, and I just I find that inspiring. Uh, but I don't I don't want to have my own kids. I want to be like a an auntie that spoils my my siblings' kids who don't don't have kids yet. So one day, but um yeah, I'm not. I'm interested in, in exploring my own life at this point And I just don't. Yeah. Maybe one day I'll have like a furry kid, like a puppy or something. <laughs> but even at this point, my life is too busy to even have a dog. I yeah. can't.
1: Yeah. I have trouble with house plants.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. On. I don't have any plants.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's rough. It's rough. I, I feel the same about kids. I like kids because they're animals. Yeah. yeah. I don't like adult humans very often. I mean, I, I do. Yeah. There, there are lots of great adults, but but they're the ones who have overcome their sort of domestication in yes. some ways. So I love the undomesticated aspect of kids, which I think for me would be heartbreaking to be a parent because part of your job is to domesticate that little thing. Yeah. Uh, like I don't want to, you know, yeah. I don't want to send them to school. I don't want to force them to go to bed and you know, yeah. don't do that. And no, oh, you'll get hurt. Uh, I don't want to be that guy.
3: I just think I'd be, Way too overprotective if
1: I had a kid, mm.
3: and I, that's not healthy. I no. feel like I would just be so scared. You'd smother. As, yeah, I just really? don't think that. What
1: anything. were you like as a kid? I mean, we know you were. Curious and pretty intrepid in, in some ways.
3: But I was also very, I was very shy.
1: Oh, really? Very,
3: very shy. Oh. Um, it wasn't until I got into high school that I kind of forced myself to come out of my shell. Because hmm. I, and the only reason I did was because I realized that if I wanted to explore my sexuality, then I was going to have to approach people and be a little less quiet
1: really so it was the sexuality that really propelled you out
3: that was it i mean sexuality has been a driving force for pretty much everything in my life and if Mm. it hadn't been for that desire to have sex with people then i probably would be incredibly shy and just the mouse in the corner
1: really but hear that guys (laughs) the mouse in the corner. Yeah. Pay pay more attention. You never know what's going yeah. on. Yeah,
3: what is she doing in that corner because I was <laughs> There were things that I was doing in that corner very quietly and very shyly.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah, do you remember your first orgasm?
3: I don't really recall my first orgasm. I I mean, I had a lot of sexual pleasure definitely before I had my first orgasm mm. because I would, you know, we'd I'd play with my girlfriends and we'd, you know, hump our teddy bears and and do sorts of like I knew that I had great pleasure coming from my body when it touched certain things or when certain people Mm. touched it in certain ways but I don't think I ever had an actual orgasm, Mm. Um, I think that my first real orgasm was under the faucet in the bathtub. And it Uh. was thanks to my mum, which sounds funny. Uh, But (laughs) one of the things – my mum was very open with me about sexuality. Mm. And um, when – I don't know if she approached me or if I approached her about the fact that I – hadn't had an orgasm but she gave me the sheer height report which mm. uh so it's like it's a 70s sure. yeah. book I and it, it. yeah and it surveys women about how like about their sexuality and how they masturbate and so i was reading about how other women were masturbating and, and orgasming and one of the things that came up was using the faucet in the bar right. and having that run over your clit and that was
1: solved that problem yeah
3: that was yeah and now i have like this I mean, maybe I was always going to have an affinity with water. I, I, I grew up next to the beach and I just, I always feel very sexy when I'm submerged in water. But I'm mm. sure that probably helped that um, my first, at least my first strong orgasms were in water.
1: And it's great because you're in the bathroom, which is a private place and the water's running. So it sort it's of masks the sound. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah,
3: it's great.
1: Solves the problem. Thanks, mom. Yeah. That's great. <laughs>
3: <laughs> So I don't know. The water bill might have gone up a little. bit after
1: that, <laughs> That's right. We got a drought.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry about the the fish. Yeah, and it's not it's not good to waste water in Australia. But
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, lucky you don't live in Cape Town. Yeah, you hear, but they're like out of water. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. crazy. Strange world. So, do you direct it all, or
3: yeah? Huh? So I have my own. I have my own website, and I have my own DVD production company. Um, oh, we're gonna get it.
4: We're gonna get it. It's, we're gonna get it. We're gonna get hovering. that book.
3: Uh, no No mistake. He's too quick He's quick he's fast So yeah I, I release my own DVD line And I um For my DVDs I produce, direct and star In all of the scenes So it's Oh really It's a lot of work
1: now, Is it hard to direct While you're Being
3: rocked? Yes Yes uh, Yes and no
1: I mean I bet Woody Allen could do it <laughs>
3: Yeah it's, it's Well here's the thing My directing style What I really want to get um, from any performance and I put performance in, in 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 bunny ears because I don't really want a performance. I want to mm. see people really having sex the way they want to so have sex. So you're
1: really looking for more of a documentary yes, angle in a way.
3: Absolutely. This I, is
1: how people fuck.
3: I want to see how people fuck at home. Obviously for the for the for the production we do like to see a little bit of penetration, but that's not my main issue. What mm. I say to people is like when I have someone on set that i'm I'm gonna fuck, I'm like, let's fuck how we really fuck every now and again, you know when you you know after you've made me orgasm and you're a little tired or whatever, slow down, show us the penetration, but then come straight back to, to fucking me the way you want to have sex. Because Mm. that's, that's what I want to see as a viewer. As Mm. when when I watch porn, I'm looking for the, the eye contact. I'm Mm. looking for them flushed. I'm looking for the heavy breathing. I'm looking for them really relating to each other and making each other orgasm. So, I mean, there are scenes that I've shot that you've, really don't even see the penetration i Mm. don't i don't care about i mean i don't feel at this point in my career i need to prove that i'm really for real taking the (laughs) penis inside any of my holes like i'm you know by now i really do it it's not faked right um and i i feel like what yeah okay a a penis going inside a vagina if you're with a girl you know fingers going inside tongue What's that's not interesting to me. What's interesting mm. to me is the chemistry between the two performers and seeing them really engage with each other and really be present in the moment.
1: Yeah, there was a, a thing I saw. I forget what it's called. It, it, it was a project where they installed a camera over people's beds that focused on their faces.
3: Oh you know what I'm um, yes, about? beautiful agony.
1: Beautiful agony. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I found that to be so so beautiful, yeah. so intimate and arousing. Anyway, all you see—I think it's on YouTube or it's out there somewhere. Yeah, on it's actually
3: internet. an Australian company.
1: Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I shot for no that. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's just the person's face mm-hmm. as they orgasm. Yep. It's so hot. It's gorgeous. Damn. Yeah. I mean, as you say, the whole genitalia thing is so done at this point yeah. that it's like, yeah, if you want to see that, there are a million places to see mm-hmm. it. But there aren't a lot of places to see the kind of chemistry and connection you're talking yeah. about. There's another thing. I don't think it's related. This was by a photographer named Clayton Cubit. Okay. Have you heard of him? No, I'm not He's aware. He's based in New York, I think. he did. It, it's called Hysterical Literature.
4: Oh you know yes,
3: that? I do, because I know Stoyer did one. Stoyer yes. was, I
1: think the first episode. Yes. Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah. That's hot.
1: It's great. Yeah. yeah. So I think there are fifteen episodes and it's women reading from their favorite book, just sitting at a table with a glass of water, and meanwhile under the table someone's got a Hitachi magic wand and the women try to remain focused (laughs) on what they're reading but they end up coming yeah i sent the link of that to casilda and uh, i forget what the book was it was a book that she really liked And she watched, you know, a few minutes of it and she wrote back to me. She's like, why did you send this to me? This is terrible. The woman's not reading well. She seems distracted. I'm like, continue. (laughs) Keep watching. You'll figure it out. She just thought like, wow, this isn't a good reading. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I actually met a woman in New York. I, I was giving a talk at the new school. And then we went out to dinner with the professor and some of his friends. And there was a woman at the table. And I was like, I know her somewhere. How do I know her? And like somehow I've met her and lots of people. And I didn't get a chance to talk to her until later in the evening. And finally I said, hey, I feel like I know you. Are you an actor? Or Have I seen you on TV or something? And she blushed. And she said, um, have you ever heard of a website called Hysterical Literature? <laughs> I said, oh, that's you. Like, so I've seen you come never met you never seen you naked yeah right so it's not like you right like i've seen you naked i've seen you come but her like it's it's that weird it's like there's nothing else like that you're not a porn star you know but yeah i've seen you come that's interesting yeah Yeah. danielle episode four i think i'm
3: gonna have to check that out yeah (laughs) she's great she's great
1: (sighs) Um, so what what's uh, what's your future like? What do you know You're already directing. You already have your company. I mean, that's sort mm-hmm. of like the promised land, right, for mm-hmm. the people are working toward. Yeah, yeah.
3: Uh, well, actually, at some point, I want to go back and do my PhD. I always I always kind of thought that I'd go back to Australia and do it. That I mean, maybe I'll I'll stay here and do it. But um, I'm still interested in 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 researching the adult industry and researching sexuality. And I think. Um, especially because I'm in the industry, I have a, an array of powerful resources with the performers that I work with mm-hmm. on a daily basis. So, yeah. and, and my honours thesis was based on my engagement with, with female performers in the Australian industry. So I'd love to kind of broaden that study out and look at what's going on here in the US, which is obviously a, a far bigger industry and um, much... I mean, it's really the the headquarters of porn production globally so it's um go figure yeah
1: i mean this <laughs> uptight sexually oppressed culture just churns them out yeah well
3: maybe that's part of it yeah i guess
1: do you think there's anything to the idea that repression it, it's it's like um it contains pressure so the explosion is bigger well i do you think repression makes sex hotter
3: I think it does. I think so. I mean, I'm not an expert. I do expert, too. I kind of hate it to it think so. Yeah. I feel like if there wasn't so much shame surrounding sexuality, I wouldn't even have a job. So, like, my, mm. my end goal is to not have a job. Right. Like, it's not. I Because, really, if everybody was getting off the way they wanted to in their personal lives, I mean, some people might still want to look at erotic photos and erotic videos, but would it be as powerful? Would it be, like, a multi-billion dollar industry like it is? I don't mm. know. I think it would be more 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 just art i think it would it wouldn't
1: yeah so wouldn't so be an if we industry. took away all repression do you think there would be kink hmm.
3: hmm i well you know what humans are so creative i feel like there'd still be something hmm. we're very creative i mean when it comes to sexuality sexuality is so diverse and and the kind of fetishes and fantasies that are out there it's just so so incredible, the things that we come up with. So I don't know if it would get rid of them all.
1: In hunter like we found them fun. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to say. I Because I'm in the same boat as you. I, I'm sort of always trying to remove shame. But I do feel like, in a way, shame spices up some stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, from what I've read about hunter-gatherers, there's really no... Kink in hunter gatherer sexuality,
4: mm.
1: like it's pretty much just straight sex from what I see. Now, mm. it's hard to know because, of course, this is being filtered through what they share with the outside observer, yeah. what the outside observer's hang ups are. So, if it's a missionary and they're having orgies, or you know, I mean, I think orgies are probably pretty common, yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, bondage or you know role-playing and stuff like that, I, I haven't seen evidence of it in the anthropological literature. But again, yeah. maybe it's just not reported. And who knows?
3: Well, maybe we just have more time to be creative now because we're not foraging. and No? no? Okay, no, I don't know. No, no, no.
1: <laughs> Foragers <laughs> have far more time than we do, Oh, actually. well, yeah. then
3: there you go. <laughs> I'm the wrong person to ask. I don't know.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a strange thing to to think about because I mean I, I I've probably said this before on the podcast but when I imagine like the have you ever read a book called um The Erotic Mind? No. Jack Moran, I think is the author. I don't remember much about. I read it 20 years ago, but what I remember is he outlines a very like he establishes a very simple formula, which is that passion equals attraction. Plus an obstacle.
4: Mm.
3: Okay. Mm.
1: Right. So you think of any like love story, Romeo and Juliet or whatever, there's like there's that initial attraction, but we can't do it because our families or you're married or you know, we're different races or whatever the problem. You know, it's long distance, whatever. And then when you finally can get together, it's like boom, explosions. But the obstacle, if you remove the obstacle, then the passion dissipates
4: yeah
1: and so in a way these this repression inserts obstacles you know in in the way we connect so it kind of generates passion in a way
3: yeah it's too easy without the obstacle i guess
1: i guess but you know on the other hand isn't sexuality sort of like the solar energy of the human psyche that it's this renewable resource because i mean you can have great sex today and tomorrow you're still like mm, that's, oh, an hour later an yeah. hour,
4: six, <laughs> I didn't, yeah.
1: didn't want to give too much away <laughs> you can go have a drink of water and yeah it's like it's after renews. breakfast like, i
3: still want to have lunch yeah you know? yeah
1: yeah it's a hunger that yeah. re- renews itself yeah. yeah so i don't know it, it uh, it's an appetite that seems to be omnipresent at least in in a lot of people and uh and yet yeah, the the hungrier you get, there is, you know, hunger's the best sauce, right? Yeah. As they say. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know.
3: I don't know. We're very complex creatures.
1: <laughs> Depends on how you look <laughs> at it. Sometimes we seem very complex, sometimes. So simple. Well,
3: I think our relationship to sex is complex. Yeah. Sex and sexuality, at least right now,
1: I yeah. feel like it's... Yeah.
3: It's, it's complicated. Where
1: do you think it's going? Where's porn going?
3: Um. Hmm... That's a very good question. I think that certainly um, we we both drive new technologies, and we are often the first to adopt it. So um, there's a lot of live streaming porn or webcamming, um, 3D porn. So basically ways to make porn more interactive with the viewer. So making the viewer at home feel like it's more real, like they're there.
1: Teledildonics. Mm -hmm. Do you know about that? Yeah, Yeah.
3: I haven't used, I haven't done anything with teledildonics
1: though. No. You know who the, someone told me, I don't know if this is true, but someone told me that the biggest investor in that technology is the U.S. Defense Department. Wow. Yeah. Okay. For soldiers. Oh. To maintain a relationship yeah. with their their girl back home.
3: That makes sense. Yeah.
1: Teledildonics yeah. for people who don't know what we're talking about is, is the idea of combining like a vibrator or a fleshlight or something like that <clears throat> with the internet so that you're on one end. Let's say you're having like a sex chat with your female partner. She's got a vibrator. You can control it. With your mouse. So you can be talking and you can give her a little buzz. Actually, Lilo, you know the yep. sex toy company? Mm-hmm. I, I did a talk at uh, South by Southwest and they sponsored it. They gave me a bag with a bunch of stuff. And one of them was a Bluetooth vibrator. Nice. Pretty cool. Yeah. 30 foot range. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to have.
3: But have you you used it often? Like, is it something?
1: Actually, I gave it to a friend for his wedding. Yeah. For a wedding gift.
3: (laughs) Because I often think these ideas are really good and I'll get, sometimes I'll get packages of things that I, and I I use it once and then. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I felt the same about the flashlight. Yeah. Somebody, the company sent me one of those and it was like, "Eh." I don't know. I feel kind of weird fucking a flashlight well
3: see for women having sex with these sorts of inanimate objects is i don't know if normal's the right word but it's been it's been something that we've done for a long time so because i have my own fleshlight there's an angela white fleshlight
1: oh really yeah oh sorry
3: so no no that's fine no 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 no, no. (laughs) but but i understand i understand like some fans are uncomfortable buying it because they think firstly that they're a loser if they have to buy a sex toy because they can't get a Quote, unquote real woman which is yeah, not true because that's
1: not true everybody jerks off
3: well and so. and and then it's like calling me a loser because of the collection of dildos and vibrators and right. the i have and right. i don't consider myself to be a loser because no, i use them it's just so. and in addition you can use
1: them with partners as yeah, well
3: but i mean it's just
1: so is it actually modeled on your vagina yes Really? off
3: the vulva so the inside is the, the, you know, they've taken Standard. liberty with it but the vulva is mine right. so they had to mold the
1: cervix it. isn't placed exactly no, where is. no
3: no <laughs> actually there's no real cervix you can just keep going oh, <laughs> But and there's some there's some little sort of adornments inside that that's not that's not G-spot? inside me. Is there a G-spot? There's no G spot, <laughs> but there's these little they look like Cheerios. So I guess text there's texture in there to make the experience, right. you know, exciting. Right. Um, although I have a couple of different versions, so I have the 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 Lotus version is. Like the inside of a of the vaginal canal, mm. you know, it's a it's a standardised vaginal canal. So right. what most women feel like, right. my indulge um, is. It's it's got knobs and things in there that you're not going to find in a in a regular woman, but apparently it's quite stimulating and feels great. It's
1: called the indulge.
3: Yeah, it's, yeah, you're indulging. Oh,
4: so, all right.
3: But that was it was an interesting experience being molded because they well they want you to be um, they want you to look horny, so they want your your labia to be oh, engorged. Right. So I had to masturbate beforehand, but it was different to masturbating on set because it was these weren't it wasn't a crew it was just people that were going to mold me (laughs) so i had to use the hitachi and get super engorged to right to the point of coming and then have them come in and mold and put the wow i can't i can't remember the exact material that they use but the
1: it's probably that stuff they use on your teeth
3: yeah i think it's silicon yeah 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 and And they have to leave it on for around 10 minutes and then they peel it off and then they've got what
1: did you do for the 10 minutes
3: I mean, I just tried to think of horny, think horny thoughts oh, you to, try, keep you have engorged. to keep it to Yeah. While they put
1: this like cold, wet. Oh my god, and it stuff felt on you. so good though.
3: Honestly, <laughs> it really because they put it on and it's all cold and slimy, uh-huh. and then as it hardens, it gets hot. So it was, wow. yeah. So it, it actually the process helped, and then I just got off on the fact that there was this random dude painting my Volvo with this goo. So, t- <laughs> so once I'd done the Hitachi, got ready to come, and had a stranger paint my Volvo with goo that then hardened and got hot, it was fine.
1: It's a peak experience right yeah. there. That's pretty good. I'm going to have to get one of those. Yeah. Do you have a discount code or something?
3: Um, Hook me up. Oh, I should. I should ask for one. You don't have any yeah. in the trunk of your
1: car, do no. you? No. Um, oh. my,
3: tr- my car is very, very boring, so that when I give it to Valet, you know, there's nothing. Uh, Uh, It's completely empty There's nothing fun in there (laughs) Yeah,
1: I know Yeah, I I don't I hate valets Because every time I've done it I've been robbed
4: Oh, really? Yeah
1: I mean, I don't do it a lot But, yeah I mean, I haven't done it In like three years Because the last time I did it They fucking cleaned me out Uh And I tipped the dude That's what really pissed me off.
3: I've never had that experience, but you know what? There's nothing really in my car. Yeah. That's vacant.
1: Well, they took Casilda sunglasses, a Swiss army knife, uh, like a thing that converts the car. You can plug it into the lighter and then plug your computer into it. You know, it's like they took some time and they really just like, come on, fuck you guys. That's not cool. Yeah. Yeah. Who gives a shit?
3: I just don't, I find um, it kind of invasive just having someone in my car there because it's my space. Like I spend living in LA now, I spend so much time in my car. It's my little mobile home Mm. and I'm always in traffic because I have to travel a lot for like every, every day that I'm shooting, it's a new location. So I'm traveling around Porn Valley, getting to these locations. So it's, it's like my little space.
1: Yeah so do you have a like is is there a scenario that you particularly enjoy uh, from a performance
3: zero scenario is my is what I enjoy oh, most just so when I come to connect. set and yeah. and they say there's no storyline we just want you as Angela to be with you know whoever the male performer is or female performers just be yourselves and have sex the way you want to that's my
1: ultimate um, can you do that in a group thing or does that happen more one on one with someone
3: yeah we do that in group things sometimes too but uh, I mean all the the that i've done i've just been myself there's been no storyline it's hmm. the 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 porn has started with a little strip tease and then it goes straight into sex
1: and do you do that real time i always wonder when i see that if like they did the strip tease thing later
3: depends sometimes yeah. sometimes most of the time they'll do it right before because your makeup is fresh and you oh, look good right, when right. it's my own production sometimes they do it um, on a different day later on, because when it comes to gangbangs, I do have to restrict my uh, eating because right. I'm going to be doing anal. Right. Um, so if it's my own production and I just want to get straight to the sex and make the strex really strong while I'm still have the energy, right. then I'll shoot, shoot it at a different location at yeah. a
1: different point. You ever work with Rocco Sufredi? Oh, no, but I want to. Yeah. You see, you know, I first heard of him a long time ago. I was buying, uh, a vibrator for a woman. I've given away a lot of vibrators. That's
3: very kind of you.
1: Well, it just seems like a good gift. <laughs> yeah, you know? it is.
3: You're giving it's a gift that keeps on giving.
1: It keeps giving, yeah. and and it sort of expresses like an openness and a, a non-threatening, you know, non-defensiveness, and like you know, it, it, it anyway. Um, I was buying it from a woman-run sex site. I don't know if it was Pleasure Chest or one of those San Francisco...
3: Like Good Vibrations. Maybe it was one of Good those. Vibrations, yeah.
1: actually. Yeah. Anyway, they had a DVD section. This is back in the 90s when people were, you know, it wasn't so much internet-based. And I was looking at their section there, and it's all run by women, and there was a thing about Rocco, and it was like, if you like your sex, like, degrading and rough, but gentlemanly, like, <laughs> Rocco's the guy for you. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah you want to yeah. be like manhandled but made love to at the same time
1: right yeah yeah manhandled yeah. by a gentleman mm-hmm. or whatever and it it that was intriguing yeah Rocco he married one uh a, a yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah,
4: yeah
3: yeah yeah so and then um he actually has there's a documentary about him on Netflix called Rocco it's really oh really yeah it's really incredible I recommend watching it
1: I didn't know that yeah are there any other sort of stars of the past that you would uh love to have worked with
3: um hmm rocco definitely top of that list i honestly can't think of anyone else i feel like mm. i've been very fortunate that all the other people that i've wanted to to shoot with i've had the opportunity seika
1: seika mm. she was swedish she was Seika, and, and and vanessa del rio yeah there. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm dating myself. Your
3: old your old favorites.
0: Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
3: Belladonna, that's someone. Oh, Belladonna. Yeah, Donna, I, de- right. I would have loved to have shot with Belladonna. Yeah. But she's retired now and doesn't look like Sometimes, you know, reti- it's hard to retire from
1: porn. So mm. a lot of
3: girls will retire and then come back, but it doesn't look like she's looks
1: like she's finished. She's not going to do yeah. that. But yeah. if she
3: ever does come back, then I'll be
1: well, you've just given her a reason.
3: Yeah, I'll be the first person to say, come, come, I'll shoot for you, or you can shoot for me, whatever you want. Just yeah. let's make it happen.
1: Yeah. I think Topanga, there was a lot of uh, sexual experimentation in Topanga in the 60s. Yeah. You ever heard of Sandstone? Hmm. There was a book called Thy Neighbor's Wife by Gay Talise. Okay. Which was a huge bestseller in like 1969 or 70. And it was this place where people... Um, it was like the first sort of swinging scene, yeah. and it was here in Topanga. And so
3: that's why you're here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just, yeah, it just all comes full circle, yeah, right? Yeah. 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 Um, thank you for doing this. I know you're. Thank you. You're, we've run out of time. We spent 15 minutes chasing a fly. Chasing a fly. A fly. Yeah.
3: <laughs> no, so, it was my pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Really we was- appreciate
1: this. And uh, if you do decide to get your PhD, I'll be happy to write your recommendation.
3: Thank you very much. I appreciate not that. That you would need
1: it. <laughs> not that you would need it.
3: Yeah, I'm glad I was able to do this because usually I'm the only reason I, I was able to do it is because I I'm, I got tested today and yeah. on testing days uh, I try not to get booked so then I can make sure.
1: So do you work? Happens. How many days a week? Do you well, work I
3: work. I work seven days a week, but I don't shoot seven days a week because I because I have my own production company. I do all of my own editing so i edit my scenes i edit my movies so the days that i'm not shooting i'm at home editing um so Mm. on test days that's usually when i edit so after this i'm going back and i'm going to edit some porn Mm. so that's going to be fun um but yeah, I, I also try to give my body those breaks as well because I'm, I'm a very physical performer. Like a lot of what I do is really sexual athleticism. So mm. while I could shoot every day, I think my performance would suffer on, you know, the seventh day in a row. I, you know, yeah. my my quads would hurt and my glutes would be done.
1: Yeah.
3: And my holes are kind of used to it. So yeah. the, the frictions kind of-
1: It's amazing. It, it, Vaginas are incredible
3: Yeah You know They're Very resilient They're
1: Very resilient yeah. yeah And your
3: butthole gets used to it too huh. Yeah <laughs> Just in, ca- in case you were wondering <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's good to know Yeah <laughs> You kind of get this muscle memory Where you know As you warm up And your butthole knows Oh we're doing this again Right
1: and Yeah Right <laughs> Well now I'm blushing <laughs> Yeah It doesn't I guess it does It takes something To get me <laughs> <laughs> to get me there. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Angela. Thank you. Where, where can people... Can people read your your like you talked about your thesis? Is that available yeah, so, online or is
3: um, it, oh, there might be a Kindle edition, but it's not available um, for free online at this point because mm. of the, the it was published in the Rutledge oh, Companion. Right, right. So you can you can get that off Amazon. Um, I actually wrote um, my first piece of erotic fiction for mm. Asa Akira's new book. She oh, did. I saw that. Yeah. yeah, so I I contributed. To called? It's called Asa Erotica.
1: Acerotica, and it's yeah. a collection of various yes. authors. Yeah, And
3: the authors, are I think they're all porn performers, or they're all somehow related to the porn. There's dominatrixes and whatever, but mm. um, yeah, I, I contributed a chapter to that, so they can read that if they want Sweet. and yeah you can go follow me on social media and see what I'm up to although you know know that it's explicit except yeah because yeah, my Instagram's not it's at the Angela White that's uh-huh. safe for work uh, so okay. if you prefer the cleavage yeah your, pics. your
1: Twitter feed <laughs> shocks me occasionally yeah. <laughs> i'll be like "Yo, oh, trump did this trump did that and then boom oh double anal oh nice <laughs> nice oh, yeah it's a good yeah. thing about having a cool wife i don't need to worry that she sees something over my shoulder yeah quite the Very contrary cool. she'll yeah be like, who's that show me more what's,
0: what's yeah. yeah all
3: right
1: thank you for doing
3: this thank you so much
1: hope you all enjoyed that conversation I'm not lying when I say I did. It's a funny thing about this this little job I have here where I get to meet someone and within 2 minutes we're talking about orgasms and anal sex and you know first sexual experiences and so on and so forth. It's it's just amazing like how Quickly and easily, some people are open to just going wherever the hell you want to go you know it's it's interesting if you've never been on the set of a porn movie it's it's a very interesting place to be um it's one of the least inhibited places certainly in terms of body shame and um yeah it's it's an interesting and it's interesting how quickly you can get used to that it's uh i don't know I've never been comfortable. I think I mentioned that in the conversation. I've never been particularly comfortable with nudity uh unless there's unless it's an erotic situation so like nude beaches and stuff don't I don't like that. I don't feel real comfortable with that but like being on the set of a porn movie that was kind of easy. Don't know why it's just part of my twisted psyche i suppose uh or maybe it's human maybe everybody's that way. I don't know anyway, thank you for supporting me in this. Weird ass job, I have. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I sure as fuck did. I'm not even going to try to sell you anything. I'm not going to say anything uh, other than here's to you, Bennett and Justin. Play you out with Carsey Blanton. As always, smoke alarm. Carpe fucking DM people.
4: He said, baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you wanna say You're gonna die one day For example, I could kiss you Just because I want to what's the difference if you turn away I'm gonna die one day Why do you waste your time Thinking about your reputation Trying to meet an expert wondering what they're gonna say when everyone you've ever known is headed for a headstone i don't want to give the end away but we're gonna die one day your body is an headed for a headstone I don't want to give the end away but we're gonna die one day we're gonna die one day we're gonna die one day, die one day. so baby what's a big deal if you wanna be free say what you wanna feel and spend the night with me Take you up in my arms, and if we must go down, we'll go singing to the smoke alarms, we'll dance into the ground.